Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Jason Kong here. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Bill, how are you doing today? Okay, I'm here. That's that's half the battle, isn't it? That that certainly is, Bill. We've we've made it to October, and that means hey, oh. only one month left of the political ads. Well, you know, I I can't I can't imagine that anyone is not just exhausted from all of the political ads going on, and it doesn't matter whether you're Democrat, Republican, Independent, Green Party whatever, libertarian, pick one, doesn't matter, the political ads, uh, well, at this point, you know, there are no other ads on on television. I mean, (laughs) that's it. It's one ad, one political ad after another, and of course, they're all garbage. They're all half-truths at the best, uh, all totally slanted, all trying to make you mad at somebody, and it's just uh, absolutely, re- I mean, it just makes you mad after a while that you have to watch it at all. Um, I mean, and if, and if you're watching TV at all, and, and un- unfortunately, I know and you know that there are an awful lot of folks that get very little information regarding how they're going to vote from other places. You know, I would hate to think that... Um, that, that that's the primary place that that folks are going to be influenced to vote one way or the other. And I'm not saying it in support of anybody. I'm just saying they're all <laughs> that, uh, that way. Uh, but with, with it said, and, and, you know, part of uh, what I, I do is I try – very hard to give information that's helpful to people, um, that gives them a better uh, focus on h- how things work, uh, really work, uh, and the like. Um, and so uh, this morning I, I thought that I would try to pare down all the garbage a little bit in a very bipartisan way and give somewhat of a civics lesson that is not in the public discourse at all. You don't hear uh, any of the major candidates or parties talking about it. Um, it, it, You know, it's, it's, but it's really important for the future of this country that we as citizens at least have an understanding of how the government works and how um, uh, it, it is important to all of us. And I'm not talking about the Supreme Court. I'm not talking about, um, you know, the, the difference between the executive branch and the legislative branch and the judicial branch. You know, that's a different civics lesson for a different time. But what I want to talk about that I think is so important for folks to understand has to do with something that should be important to all of us, and that is taxation and spending and how all of that makes a difference in terms of how our federal government works. It also makes a difference to our state governments and our local governments. And it also makes a difference uh, into our own personal budget. 
uh, in terms of our ability to earn money and spend that money and what we spend it on. And in essence, uh, the government has many of the same dynamics that we do personally. Uh, the, the government has deep, a deeper pocket than we do. <laughs> sort of like going to Las Vegas and, and the, uh, the casinos win because they have deep pockets. <laughs> you know, there are a few folks that make it out of there with some extra cash because they get lucky, but the majority of us lose our shirts. <laughs> so, you know, so I'm going to start out with the, the obvious, and that is that we are suffering right now through a pandemic. Um, whether you like it or not, we, well, nobody likes it. They couldn't like it. I mean, this has been a very difficult time. And, and while um, it's been difficult for all of us, particularly seniors, my heart goes out primarily to those folks, not seniors, we can deal with it, you know, uh, and I say we because I'm one too, <laughs> but my, my heart really goes out to those folks who, you know, because you have to recognize that just like you most uh, married couples uh, are um, where both husband and wife are working, and they have to work in order to provide for their family. So it's those families who are where both are working, hopefully. And of course, in this pandemic, it's even more difficult because lots of folks are trying to work from home, or they've lost their job, and uh, or they're making a whole lot less money. But they have children at home, and of course the kids aren't going to school, and so they not only have to do their job, but they have to – I mean, how many of us have kids that will actually do their their work without being told or sitting on top of them, making them uh, <laughs> do what you know they need to do? If they were in school, you wouldn't have to worry about it because the teachers would be on top of it. But the teacher's on a video screen. They don't have the ability to, you know, make our children do uh, – and for us, it would be grandchildren if we had any. But it's it's those folks. I know my associate, Ashley Fox, she's terrific, but her schedule is so off because – she has to do some work from home. She has to do work here. She has to take care of her teenage kids. She has to be a wife to her husband. And, you know, that she is being pulled in so many directions. I mean, and that's that's the life for so many of us out here. And we're at home and we're having to watch all those damn political ads. <laughs> so, okay. So here we are in a pandemic. Clearly, we're, our, the spending from the federal government has been a wartime uh, uh, economy. It's been wartime spending. We are spending far more than what we have uh, and to spend. Uh, and that's really important for us to understand in terms of what it's actually doing now. It's the spending is helping right now. There's no question about it. The spending has been bipartisan. What does that mean? It means that both part, you know, both major parties, Republicans and Democrats, 
agreed that we needed to do this extraordinary spending to try to keep our economy afloat. And of course, much of that spending has been to keep businesses afloat, to keep people employed, and those folks who were not employed, to give them extra money to spend. And of course, to the degree that, you know, anytime you give folks that don't have money uh, because they're out of work or out of luck, you give them the money, guess what? They don't save it. They spend it because they need to spend it. And that helps the economy because when they're spending it, that helps those businesses that they're actually spending the money on. So that's good for the uh, economy. But in terms of where we are, um, we are na- we have now reached a $1 trillion deficit. Now, what does that mean? Because, you know, this kind of uh, macroeconomic talk, you know, people get lost in it. But it's really not that hard when you think about your own family budget and what it means. Uh, and, you know, when you're talking about, when you're thinking about it, if, you, you know, even though we're talking trillions with your own budget, you might be talking thousands. <laughs> okay. Hopefully you're not talking hundreds. <laughs> but, but where are we right now? Well, what's our revenue? In other words, for us who work, it's like how much money are we bringing in so we know we have that much money to spend? Well, the federal government this year will bring in approximately $3.45 trillion. Okay, $3.45 trillion. So how much are we spending this year? That's where you get the deficit. We're actually spending $4.45 trillion. So the difference between what we're bringing in and what we're spending is an entire trillion dollars. Um, So uh, that's where you get the number for the deficit. In other words, we're having to borrow a trillion dollars because we haven't brought it in. And that's a real important concept for folks to understand uh, how that works. Now, the deficit is not the same thing as our debt. Okay, so think of the deficit as your, uh, you know, if you've got a, a big mortgage on your house, uh, the, the deficit basically is uh, what is the year to year in terms of bringing the money in and paying the loan, uh, and also paying for all the other stuff we have to pay for, not just the mortgage on the house, but everything else. Well, the debt is basically, if you think about it, how much is the total mortgage, which may be two or three or four hundred thousand dollars, that you have to pay back over a period of years, and then don't forget the car loans and and the credit card debt and everything else that you got. So that's where you get the debt. So what is our national debt right now? It's twenty six trillion dollars 26 trillion dollars that's a mind-boggling number now what makes it this important is the fact that our debt is actually right now and it's projecting to go 
up, unfortunately. Right now, it's 80% of our national GDP, gross domestic product. And that's the, the combination of all the goods and services produced in this country this year. 80%. <laughs> okay. So uh, that's a pretty important number. Okay. So, and I know that people are probably closing their eyes and going, oh, God, Bill, get off of this. This is boring. But it's so important for us to understand because guess what? How do you pay debt? Well, I mean, first of all, you have to borrow the money. So how does the government borrow money? It sells bonds. You know, when we talk about federal bonds, and and as investors, we know that, quote, federal bonds are the safest investment people can make. Now, they're really not investments because, truthfully, federal bonds really only uh, – they hardly pay enough, and sometimes they don't pay enough even to beat inflation. But when you buy a bond, you know – in your heart, that you will actually get all your money back with a little bit of interest. And that's the whole focus of bonds. So um, when now, the important thing here is who owns our debt? Well, the biggest owner of debt of United States federal bonds is China. Now, that's scary. You know, from a, it's not just macroeconomics, it's political. Uh, and now, also, lots and lots of other foreign countries and, and other folks buy bonds as well. Well, it, you know, it's important to know this because, um, you know, one of the scariest things is what if China basically said, you know, we don't want to hold bonds anymore. We, we want to sell all these bonds and get our money. Do you know our economy would crash? You know, uh, China doesn't have to attack this country. All they have to do is pull their bonds out. I mean, <laughs> that's pretty scary when you think about it. Uh, now, you ask, why not? I mean, why would they not do that? Well, that's and, – and the rest of the world is in the same situation. It's because – we're good on we're we're good on our promise as Americans. We have the strongest economy in the world, uh, and uh, we pay our debts. So that's why people buy bonds. That's why we as Americans buy bonds for the same reason. We know we're going to get paid back. Now, I realize that this civics lesson is going to go on. So, and I know we have to come back. Uh, so we'll I, I'll, I'll let you take a break. You're on a roll. I hate to stop you, but this is something that does impact all of us and it will impact future generations. So we'll continue on this right after this. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. You can find more about him online at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. That's Bill's website. From there, you can find information about the services that Bill provides. You can also schedule an appointment to speak with him, and you can register for the seminars coming up the second Wednesday here in October. You can find all that information by clicking on the Seminars button at WGALaw.com. 
Com. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and Bill, you're uh, in the middle of a, a civics lesson here for us, but it's uh, it's an important one, Bill, and one that uh, I think you're exactly right. It's not really in the, the public discourse right now. Well, it's clearly not, and it, this is something that has been, um, it's been important to economists, it's been, been important to Democrats and Republicans. Uh, forever and it should be because it's how our government actually works and so let's keep on the roll you know um and it is important that folks understand that our debt obligation our national debt obligation which is if you get right down to it is repayment of bonds you know particularly the interest that is mandatory spending in the federal budget I mean, in essence, uh, the government has to um, uh, pay that debt obligation because think about your loans, your mortgage uh, on your home. If you failed to pay your uh, obligation as it comes due, what happens? Uh, I mean, think about your mortgage, Jason. What happens if you don't pay? Uh, you go into foreclosure and you are evicted. Exactly. In in other words, the uh, government uh, cannot afford not to pay it. Uh, now, there have been states that have not paid their bond obligations, and it gets them in real trouble. In North Carolina, we uh, our Constitution requires a balanced budget, so our bonds are safe as they can be because – um, because we're obligated uh, in that way. We, we have the ability to pay that. That's one reason why our state can borrow money uh, at, at, at the cheapest rate possible because they know in North Carolina that our uh, debt obligations will, in fact, be paid, and, and we're structured that way. But unfortunately, not all states are structured that way. But on the federal side, while there is not a constitutional obligation to have a balanced budget, and we haven't had a balanced budget in many, many, many years, um, we still have to pay that because if we didn't pay it, if we declared bankruptcy as a country, (laughs) nobody would buy our bonds in the future. And so in order to keep that going, we have to pay that debt. Now, um, what's interesting is that uh, right now, the federal uh, budget is, in essence, uh, in an interest-only mode. In, in other words, um, what, what you need to know right now is that interest-only, not paying the principal, but interest-only, is already 7% of the federal budget. Seven percent, and when you add principal, trying to get the loan paid off over time, that number can go up exponentially, and and should and needs to because the it, it is really important for folks to understand that we can't keep doing this if if we don't get the debt and the deficit because the deficit increases the debt. So in essence, we have to get to the point where we have no deficit, and so we can reduce the debt. Because if we don't, we're just pushing it to our children and grandchildren. Now, what does it mean by not keeping it under control? It basically means that the mandatory payment 
of interest and principal on our debt, because that's mandatory, reduces significantly the amount of money that's available for all of the other spending that's required because the debt's paid before anything else is paid, whether it's considered mandatory or discretionary spending. Well, what is really sad, if you really think about it, and this is has been the irresponsibility of generations past, if you really get down to it, is the fact that if we had no debt and we had a balanced budget, the, based on our current tax revenues that we have right now, in other words, the, the uh, revenues that are brought in right now, you could do anything you wanted to, whether it's bulk up the military, whether it's expand there, or all your social services that people have ever wanted, you know, whether it's health or long-term care needs. The bottom line is all of that could be covered without any problem at all, but it's the debt and the deficit that actually it keeps the government on edge in terms of what it can spend its money on. And that's why you have the political fights. You know, whether you do this or you do that, it's extremely limited in terms of what the government actually has discretionary spending for because the debt basically, as it's getting larger and as the deficit is getting larger and we have to pay more interest and more principal back, which is mandatory, there's less money to go around. So in essence, when you're talking about uh, the money that's being taken in being uh, $3.5 trillion, and you have a whole lot of money to pay back in terms of debt, it gets really scary. And so uh, the now, why does all of this make a difference? Well, the bottom line is, no matter whether you're Republican or Democrat or independent, green, libertarian, whatever, our deficit right now is a $1 trillion. We're spending a trillion dollars more than what we are taking in. You can't stay on that path. So anybody who does not think that taxes have to go up is fooling themselves or I mean, okay, let's say we don't raise taxes. Well, the bottom line is is that we're pushing this debt problem onto our children and grandchildren, only it'll be worse and worse and worse, and so we have to get a handle on it. And I think any businessman uh, would agree with me that this is a national crisis that uh, the, that government, whoever gets elected, is going to have to handle it. Um, and so, yes, we can expect, uh, no matter who gets elected, it, it's either going to be a responsible government or an irresponsible government. And the bottom line is, is that uh, it, hopefully, as Americans, we want a responsible government that will try the best to get this uh, debt crisis under control. And so that's, that's my civics lesson for the day. But it's important to my clients and because it doesn't matter who wins, this has got to be taken care of. So then the question is, where are the additional taxes going to come from? 
And I hate to say this, but you know who pays the bulk of taxes in this country, don't you, Jason? I mean, it's pretty straightforward. The middle class. Absolutely. And it, and there's not much way to change that. Uh, those folks in right now in the 22 and the 24% bracket, those straight middle class folks, they're not anywhere close to the upper brackets. Uh, we're the ones who pay the the biggest part of uh, what the 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 um, goes to the the federal budget, uh, and uh, everything else, quite frankly, is on the fringes. And obviously, you know, additional revenues can come from other sources, but you can only bleed us so much. <laughs> so there we go. Well, the bill, the bill comes due eventually, and that's something that we all need to think about. And as you said, Bill, you know, the, the you got to factor that into your planning as well. If you're expecting taxes to decrease at any point soon, uh, good luck with that because mm-hmm. that that's just not going to happen. We do need to take a quick break. I want to remind everyone that you can go to wgalaw.com if you want to schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. You can also register for the seminars coming up the second week, the second Wednesday in October. That is October 14th. Bill has two seminars, one that focuses on long-term care assistance. This deals with Medicaid and VA benefits, and he has another seminar dealing with asset protection and trust planning. You can attend both of those for free. It's free to register. Just go to wgalaw.com and click on the seminars button. As I said, it's free to register. All you need to attend is a computer with internet access and an email address, and you're good to go. wgalaw.com and click on the seminars button, or you can call 919-256-7000. Seven thousand. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. We'll be right back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Find more about him online at wgalaw.com. wgalaw.com. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander and Bill, you've uh, uh, graciously provided us with a civics lesson today that I, I think is a real important one. It's one that, as I said, is one that we all need to pay attention to, especially uh, if we have kids and grandchildren, because this uh, the, the issue of the deficit and the national debt is something that it's got to change. Well, here's here's the th- first of all, I promise that anybody that signs up for my uh, seminar in October, that, that I will not talk about civics or debt or any of this stuff at all. Uh, but but it, it was just that the fact that all these political ads, that they weren't, you, you know, it just got to me, and I thought we needed to talk about it. But there is uh, uh, some information that I, I do think uh, is important for all of us uh, to, and things that I am telling clients that I think, uh, can be very important to them. Uh, number one, all of us should um, I, I expect our income tax rates to go up. And what a lot of folks don't realize is when the Tax Act was uh, enacted uh, almost two years ago, they built in a tax increase. In, in other words, now what they didn't uh, when Congress did that, they um, 
had no idea that this pandemic was coming and the the spending would would uh, go up dramatically like it has but but they knew that the tax uh, taxes that are being uh, received right now would not be enough in the future. So the Tax Act, as it is passed right now, increases taxes on everyone January 1, 2026. Now, what's happened is because of this wartime spending, I would assume that Congress, if it's going to be responsible, will at least um, uh, go back to those pre, um, uh, you know, the new tax act. They'll go back to the old tax rates fairly quickly uh, because, number one, it's already built into the law. It's, It's just that it doesn't come back until 2026 as opposed to 2021 or 2022. Um, so from my own perspective, I think all of us need to anticipate an increase in tax and, and that an income tax. And that um, may uh, give people uh, incentive for, for instance, this year they don't have to take required minimum distributions from their retirement accounts. Well, guess what? You probably should because if you don't take your minimum required distribution this year, next year you'll have to take two years of distributions, and that goes straight to your ordinary income on your tax return, and your tax rate may be higher next year than this year. So you're far safer to take your minimum required distributions this year um, than to delay it and not not take it at all. Now, if you don't need that distribution, one of the things that I tell clients all the time is that to the degree that you are charitable, you know, and you uh, tithe to your church uh, or make significant contributions to charities, you can take what would be a minimum required distribution and give it to your church or charity. Now, what that does is it means that your minimum required distribution will not be taxed to you. It's not included in your income. Now, you'll get a 1099 from your custodian for that distribution to your church or synagogue or, or charity, but the um, uh, but it'll be coded so that it is not includable in your tax return. So for those of us who do give substantial contributions to charities uh, or our faith, um, th- then doing it through our retirement accounts can save us considerable taxes. Now, for those families who are very wealthy, and I've got plenty of clients like that, uh, there may this is uh, a time where you may very well need to take action, significant action, uh, to save money for your children and grandchildren before the end of this year. Because regardless of how the pendulum swings in terms of the political uh, decisions that will be made by the voters in, in November, the fact is, is that, uh, again, in 2026, no matter what, the exemptions for high-wealth individuals are coming back down, scheduled for 2026. So 
uh, those folks right now have estate tax exemptions of $11.58 million. Well, most of us don't have estates that big, so we don't have to worry about it. But for those folks who have estates in the neighborhood of 10 million to 20 million or 30 or 40 or 50 million or whatever it is, you know, you know dream on for, for most of us. But the fact is is that those families have an opportunity to use the gift tax exemption, which is $11.58 million. Now, whatever you use with your gift tax exemption, in other words, you can create an irrevocable trust for your family, you know, put $11 million in it. And when the exemption comes back down, you've already used it, uh, even though it takes away from your estate tax exemption. So that's what a lot of folks don't realize. And estate tax is your death tax, and it's 40%. And so you need to use these exemptions. That's really important. And so uh, by the end of the year, you may need to use trust to freeze the value of assets that you think will appreciate significantly over the next few years while you're alive. You may need to use irrevocable trust to gift property uh, to your family so that your children and grandchildren won't have to pay that 40 percent uh and it has to be in paid in cash within nine months of your debt uh if you if your if your children owe that tax upon your death and so um that we've never had an exemption as high as it is right now 11.58 million going up but we can assume that it is highly likely that those numbers are going to come down again, no matter who gets elected, because of those, that civics lesson that I was talking about earlier. It's something that, again, we need to be aware of because it's, it's so important for us and for future generations. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Stick around. To asset protection today with attorney Bill Alexander. Find more about him online at wgalaw.com. Wgalaw.com. You can schedule an appointment to speak with Bill there. You can also view the services that WG Alexander and Associates provides, and you can also register for October's seminars happening on October 14th. You can register online for free. It's free to attend. This is done virtually via a webinar, and you can register by clicking on the seminars button at WGALaw.com. And Bill has two seminars to choose from, one dealing with asset protection and trust planning, and the other dealing with uh, long-term care assistance, which also handles Medicaid and VA benefits. And Bill, I know you want to spend some time talking about the VA today. Well, as as you said, my morning uh, seminar in October uh, will be on long-term care, uh, how people can get benefits. And one benefit that is really important to folks is the veterans benefit. And I'll start off by saying, for those who don't know, I am a veteran uh, personally. Uh, and I have a real passion for those who have served our country, um, uh, and um, I am a VA-accredited attorney, which basically means that I can legally give advice to veterans for veterans' benefits. So 
Uh, and in fact, all the attorneys in my office are VA accredited uh, for that very purpose. So that, uh, in essence, we have to learn what we're talking about. And even though I was a judge advocate uh, in, in the military, um, uh, with a lot, I was a senior judge advocate. Uh, this, these kind of benefits were never taught to us in JAG school. This is th- this is information we had to learn after we got out. Uh, but it's really important. So the first thing I want to do is to give an overview of the VA, and uh, the the VA is broken down into three big divisions. Well, two are huge and one is smaller, but all of them are big. Okay. And so you have the VHA, which is the health organization. That's the hospital and health services provided uh, to veterans. And the VHA is the largest health agency in the entire world by far, bar none, uh, it provides more health services than any other organization anywhere. Uh, and they do a relatively good job. They get criticized from time to time, and they deserve the criticism in the same way that your local hospital deserves criticism from time to time. Uh, but all in all, uh, the VA Health Services does a pretty good job. It's important for folks to understand that not all veterans, in fact, most veterans, are not entitled to use uh, the VA health services. Um, only, only those. Uh, well, there's a whole laundry list of those who can. But the main thing for for uh, folks to know is that the major, the great majority of veterans are not entitled to any services whatsoever from the VHA. Then. Uh, the, the other big division of the VA is the benefits uh, division, and that's the VBA. Uh, and, and the th- third, and I'm going to come back to the benefits, and so I'll tell you the third, is the NCA, which is the National Cemetery. Uh, they provide, uh, and, and the NCA is the one group of the three divisions that is extraordinarily responsive. In, in other words, uh, when a veteran dies or a veteran spouse dies, they can be, uh, they, they will uh, make sure that everything is right. Uh, they'll make sure that uh, if and when they're contacted, that they are very responsive uh, for uh, veteran flags, veteran markers, if uh, one is entitled to be buried at Arlington or other veteran cemeteries, they, they take those make those arrangements, uh, and they they do a really good job. They they also are the ones that help uh, senior veterans who need nursing care uh, and are trying to get into the um, veteran nursing homes. And in North Carolina, we have four of those. We have one in Fayetteville, we have one in Kinston, we have one in Asheville, and one in Salisbury. Uh, so that's where folks have to go to them. In other words, they, they don't have a veteran's um, uh, nursing home in every county or anything like that. But we have four, and any veteran uh, can – in other words, you don't have to be a war period veteran. You don't have to be a war hero. You don't have to – you just have to have served as a veteran. Any veteran uh, can utilize the uh, – the, what it should be known as the state veteran 
uh, nursing homes. They're, they're actually um, uh, through the state. Uh, now, the um, so you have three big divisions, and I guess the one of the important things for folks to understand is that, that they don't talk to each other. In other words, there's no communication among the three divisions. So if, if, if you've gone to the VHA and you filled out a bunch of forms and given them all your information, and then you apply for a benefit, a monetary benefit from the VA, you have to fill out all the forms again, and you can't assume that, well, hey, I'm already in the VA system. No, you're not. It, it's You might be in one division, but there's no communication whatsoever among the three divisions. So you just have to fill out all your paperwork again. Now, if, if you need your paperwork uh, filled out, uh, for some, uh, you can go to a veteran service officer, uh, they have those. Uh, you can also go to the North Carolina Division of Veterans Affairs. Uh, that, that, those are state employees. It's a, it's a division of the state of North Carolina that provides services for our veterans. And their job is to help you get into the VHA system or to get benefits. And they do a relatively good job on most benefits. However, there is one benefit that they don't do a particularly good job, and that's with VA pension, often called the Aid and Attendance Program. And that's what I talk about uh, at my webinar is how one is entitled to VA pension. And I, I can see I don't have much time left, so I will simply say for any veteran who is trying to stay at home, the VA system, the rules are stacked against you. You need professional help. Now, if you're spending every all your, your money on assisted living or nursing care, that's a different situation. But if you're trying to stay at home like most of us, uh, you need assistance uh, because the VA is actually set up to deny your claim. Uh, and it's unfortunate that's it that way. That is one thing that I will be explaining in my seminar. The VA is just uh, tremendously difficult to navigate. That's why those seminars are so helpful, Bill. And if you want to learn more on this subject, it's free to register, free to attend. Go to WGALaw.com and click on the seminars button. WGALaw.com. Bill will be doing this seminar on October 14th. That's Wednesday, October 14th, in addition to his other seminar dealing with asset protection and trust planning. Again, WGALaw.com. Click on the Seminars button, and there you can register for either of the seminars happening on October 14th. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Jason Kong here thanking you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed uh, Bill's civic lesson, and we do hope that you will also attend the upcoming webinars happening on October 14th. Be sure to go to WGALaw.com and click on the Seminars button, or you can call the office to register as well, 919 256 7000 919 
256-7000. And these will continue to be in the form of webinars for now. And that means all you need to attend is a computer with internet access and an email address. And you can attend from the comfort of your own home. WGALaw.com is the website to visit. We are out of time for today. On behalf of Bill Alexander, I'm Jason Kong, thanking you and telling us, telling you that we would love for you to join us again next week for another edition of Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Have a great weekend.